first time I looked at definitions of brand, I realized there were at least 26, yeah, I think 26 different definitions of what's a brand in the literature. So it's like, you know, where, where do we dig in? And then a, a lot of it was frustrating because it was clear that the practice in higher education wasn't going to fit in uh, if you used the ways that it's approached in a corporate environment, for example. Welcome to How to Market a University, a special podcast series featuring vignettes of Dr. Teresa Flannery's book, How to Market a University. Terry Flannery has spent her entire career in higher education. She was the first marketing director and chief marketing officer at the University of Maryland, the first vice president of communications at American University, and most recently, the interim vice president for marketing and communication at Stony Brook University. At a time of declining public support, a shrinking pipeline of traditional college-bound students, and a steady rise in tuition and discount rates, higher education leaders have never been under more pressure. How can they ensure steady or growing enrollments while cultivating greater philanthropic support, increasing research funding, and diversifying revenue streams? In How to Market a University, Terry argues that institutions can meet all of these goals by implementing strategic, integrated marketing in ways that are consistent with academic culture and university values. Enrollify and Terry have joined forces to produce Enrollify's first ever master course that mirrors the robust learnings and deep insights packed into Terry's book. Over the next eight weeks, this special podcast series will give you a taste of what you can expect in the master course. But that's it, just a taste. To unpack all of the language, the frameworks, the tools, and the tactics that CMOs or aspiring CMOs will need to learn to lead the work of marketing in higher education, we invite you to register for the master course on how to market a university at enrollify.org forward slash master course. Again, that's enrollify.org forward slash master course. This master course features guest experts like Seth O'Dell, Jenny Petty, Jamie Hunt, Ethan Braden, Michael Stoner, Angela Pollock, Binti Harvey, Bob Johnson, and many more. It's also filled with downloadable templates and worksheets to help you retain the course material. And last but certainly not least, this course was made possible by the leading agencies in higher education marketing who all came together to support this effort. We want to thank Simpson Scarborough, MindPower, DD Agency, and Ology for their incredible guidance and partnership. To learn more about how these firms have helped colleges and universities of all shapes and sizes realize their branding, marketing, enrollment, and advancement goals, hop on over to their respective websites in the show notes below. All right, without further ado, welcome to the How to Market a University podcast series. All right, Terry, talk to us about how marketing was structured as a unit when you first started working in higher education. So I was the first marketing director at the University of Maryland, and they really didn't know how to structure it. And when I started, it was a one-person shop. I had no staff, not even oh an administrative gosh. assistant at first. I, had, I was peers with what was then the news bureau and the publications office, and both of those were teams um, that reported to a vice president for university relations, which is an advancement model. And the leaders thought that the goal, the leaders at the time when they were searching for this position thought the goal should be to coordinate the messages of the deans, which we've mentioned before. There was real recognition that marketing communications weren't integrated. They got that part, that we were losing opportunities to speak with one 
unified voice about the power of the university and all of, and who we served and what kind of impact we could have if we only coordinated those messages. But it was very clear that they did not understand all the stuff that would have to go into arriving successfully at a coordinated message. The other thing I'd say is it was a little lonely at first. I mean, I, I did it at a place where I already had a lot of um, cultural mm. capital, social capital. Mm. I had a lot of relationships, thank goodness, um, because I had no marketing colleagues on the campus. I had to figure out most of it entirely on my own, except for two really important colleagues. I got taken under the wing of the chair of the marketing department in the school of business and the chair of the public relations program in the communications school. And they would take me to lunch once a month and they'd fight with each other (laughs) over what I should do. I was kind of like an innocent bystander, just sort of laughing and listening and learning a lot. But they were two approaches to the work. And by virtue of hearing from, they were academics, but they were great practitioners as well. That was like informal advice and kinship to help me structure what was being formed from the ground up. When you were in these in these early stages of, of higher ed marketing, just, just starting out, you mentioned it being lonely. Like what, what resources did you tap into? Like, did you look at things like other, other industries and think, oh, this is how we could apply, you know, X to Y, or this is how we could steal what these folks are doing and make it, make it work within the context of, of higher ed. And if so, like, what were those other industries or what were those other resources that you did tap into since there weren't many resources that you had at your disposal? Yeah, there was a little bit of support in case at the time, which, you know, is a a professional association that included all of the advancement functions. They were much more focused on fundraising at the time. And so there wasn't as much about communications. There was very little about marketing, but that was a place to start to look for colleagues and networks. I think I did a lot of literature review. For my own sake, I looked in other sectors Mm. to see what the marketing literature was saying about what this work involved. That could often be helpful, very often also confusing. Mm. First time I looked at definitions of brand, I realized there were at least 26 yeah, I think 26 different <laughs> definitions of what's a brand in the literature. So it's like, you know, where, where do we dig in? And then a, a lot of it was frustrating because it was clear that the practice in higher education wasn't going to fit in uh, if you used the ways that it's approached in a corporate environment, for example, yeah. just because our structure, our culture are so different in the way we make decisions all those kinds of things. So I'm sounding kind of discouraged about how it was, but it was actually (laughs) very energizing. I mean, I think when I think about the team at the University of Maryland and the agency that we hired, it's another sort of resource. When you don't know how to do something, hire an agency to do it and learn from, Mm. you know, when, when they're working with you. But the, the first brand campaign that we developed was such an enlightening process about what the work involves and how you reach successful outcomes. And it was so exciting for the community. You know, the campus community was really hungry to be recognized for their full value. And this was a means to do that. So it can, the whole process can be very empowering and can form a rallying cry for the institution if it's done well. That was pretty exciting to be in the lead on that. Yeah, yeah, I bet. And so as you, as you grew up, in the industry, right? And and with the industry, I imagine you had you saw lots of examples of organizational structures that worked, probably just as many, if not more of organizational structures that didn't work. When you think about the org structure of 
marketing within a college or university today that that works particularly well? I, I would imagine the answer is it varies dramatically depending on sort of institutional context. But what are some examples that you have seen of how today, you know, more more progressive colleges and universities who've you know decided that yes, marketing is a strategic function. It is synonymous, if you will, with institutional strategy. What, what do those structures look like? Yeah, I'm pretty adamant about it. The ideal structure is one that, the most effective one, is an enterprise-wide role with a vice president who leads marketing communications and is directly leading and coordinating brand strategy, strategic communications, and influencing the work that's happening in enrollment and advancement as a colleague. The vice president should absolutely report to the president, period. <laughs> and three quarters of us now do, which is great. The structures that have marketing reporting to enrollment or advancement are functions of how the work develops mm. at a particular institution. And I recognize why they are the way that they are, but they are necessarily limiting. They've driven the uh, enterprise strategic function down into the organization, distant from some of the strategic decision-making, and they've made it in service of one of those functions over the other. And so you can make that structure work, but it requires extraordinary collaboration and good relationships between the vice presidents of enrollment and advancement. And they still have no way to look out for the university brand mm. piece. And so often they get deployed, pe marketing people in those roles get deployed primarily in service of philanthropy or primarily in service of enrollment at the expense of those other functions. And that's not how it's designed to work. Do you think, just to push back on that a little bit, do you think that there's like a, a time and a place in an institution's life where, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of, smaller institutions with limited budgets, right? And, you know, these are tuition-dependent schools who are really, you know, hanging on right now, especially, you know, with everything that's happened over the last couple of years. Does it make sense ever, from, from your perspective, to almost, like, deploy, you know, a senior marketing person to admissions, to, to, to enrollment, or, or to advancement for, for a season because... Right now, the the school can't justify it as its own sort of like unique VP at this juncture. Like, does it ever make sense to deploy marketing within the context of, of advancement or enrollment, at least for, for a season or not so much from, from your perspective? Again, I don't think it's the ideal, but I think you start from wherever you are and make progress towards the more ideal structure. And so you may not be able to start by establishing a position. There's an institution that I'm affiliated with that the president was new and didn't want to use the political capital mm. to establish a new vice presidency or a new direct report first thing for that role, but understood absolutely the importance of it being a strategic function that needed a seat at the table. And so decided to uh, go a series of steps and and kind of backfill with some agency help and try to get the group of vice presidents, you know, the vice president of college relations and the vice president for enrollment to work together on some more collaborative strategies to advise the agency on brand as a step in the process towards the establishment of a more centralized role. But I think once you get into the work, you realize someone has to lead and sustain this over time. And when they're moving around from one part of the institution or another, or they're not focused like a laser, or they're not a counselor to the president, 
you are missing opportunities to take the full value of the work. Yeah, yeah. No, so well said. And I think that that's, I like, I like how you started that too, with this, which is, you know, to start with what you have, start with where you're at and be okay with the reality of if we're not quite there yet, but like what what is the plan to get us there? I and mean, I think that that's, that's, that is something that everyone can do regardless of your current context. Speaking of, you know, leadership here, I want to talk about this for, for a little bit because it's just so important, uh, especially in a more hierarchical industry like higher education is. So how do leaders do a better job at ensuring strategic marketing success at their at their school? What needs to be in place? How how should marketing be led in higher ed? And what is the what is the ideal relationship between a college or university president and the leader of the strategic marketing function? Yeah, I like to think of the relationship that I had with Neil Kerwin, who was the president at American University that hired me to be their first marketing executive. And he was so smart about introducing me to the community. He insisted that I I had the seat at the cabinet table that was part of the design. He insisted that I get to know every other colleague on the cabinet and understand their priorities and their goals. Mm. And I took that one further as I visited with each of them to understand what it is they were trying to achieve. I asked how I might be helpful in supporting them in their work. And so before I ever asked them for anything that related to what I needed to achieve, I wanted to understand what they needed to do. And by virtue of that, they started to get an almost an un- organic understanding of what the potential of marketing could do for all of their areas. There was no siloing of this is marketing and that is not. Mm. It's like they realized I was an ingredient to making all aspects of the institution's leadership and strategy work better, which is exactly what marketing should be, right? Yeah. So he set me up to be the embodiment of that. It was such a smart thing to do. I, I, you know, that goes directly to the issue of the relationship that you should have with the president. It should be a trusted relationship. You should be a counselor to the president and to the other colleagues on the leadership team. I remember when I first, again, when I first started with Neil, there was a particular crisis that was had the potential to blow Mm. and it needed to be managed as an issue and he started the very first day giving me the background on that and said help me shape a statement this is more in the strategic strategic communications piece of the work but develop a statement for to have ready a holding statement for me based on your understanding of the issue And so the process of developing that helped me research and understand better the issue. And then I'd come back to him with what I developed and together we'd iterate on it. And we kept that damn thing (laughs) (laughs) updated for, I think, three years before it ever did manifest as an issue. But that was a way for him to start to see how I thought, for me to understand what was important to him and for us to have a relationship that was trusting. He told me everything about what was up with this, you know, potential crisis on the very first day in the job. So he understood you need to know everything about this. I won't surprise you. You're going to keep me informed and on top of this. That's a great relationship between a marketing executive and the CEO at the institution. What I uh, what I would just add to that too is a, a that's a, such a great story, and it actually reminded me of a story that Angela Pollock, who is a part of this master course, who I know that uh, you have great affinity for. She's the CMO at LaSalle University. One of the things she said when we were sitting down with her is. The, the role of 
marketing the marketing leader is really just sort of be the glue of of the institution and what she expressed and i won't quote her because i won't do it justice but uh, what she expressed was that she learned pretty early on that in order to get what she needed done done she had to build trust across disciplines across units and how she didn't realize until she started the work of doing that that there were deans there were there were other vps that said this is the very first time that somebody's ever sat down and asked me hey not necessarily what do you think about this but talk to me about your goals right what 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 is your vision like what what are your needs when she has talked about how it's very much still an ongoing work it's it's an ongoing process but the very act of realizing that because marketing does touch so many aspects of of the institution from you know the the website which is one of the very first places prospective students are introduced to the brand all the way up until they've graduated and and advancement is involved and the hope is that they give for your for your annual campaign and then some marketing touches all of that and then some and so she just remarked how important it was to take the time and and realize that it is not a waste of time to try to break down silos. It is not a waste of time to sit down and understand what people want and what people need. Even if you can't give them everything that they want and, and that they need, that frame, understanding kind of where they're coming from has yielded an incredible amount of fruit for her in her context. Yeah. I think there's a couple of important things about that. Angela, masterfully understands this. She came to her first understanding about this when she was doing her dissertation. She looked at four different CMOs who she identified as successful and looked at what are the things that made them successful. And one of the things she surfaced was this exhibiting transformational leadership that helps to build trust across the campus. And the act of asking people, what are you trying to get accomplished and how can I help you? It's magical. It's so simple, but it's magical. It will have people on your side almost immediately. And it gives people the sense that their understanding of the institution is helping you shape your plans. Those things are invaluable, right? There's no better demonstration of the value of that work than Angela, who when the pandemic told me that her president came to her and asked her to co-lead the pandemic planning and response. And he said, I can't think of anyone who has a better ability to deal with the complexity of the issues and has such an enterprise-wide I don't think you used that word, but a wide, the widest view of the institution. And you have all these, you've built all these trusting relationships. So if, if you are starting out in a role as a leader in one of these positions, you should like develop an itinerary to go visit with every dean, every vice president, and just ask them a simple set of questions about what are you trying to get done? And how can I be helpful to you? It will set the table for everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. Uh, speaking of examples of great higher ed CMOs, obviously, uh, Angela's Angela's one of those. But you know, the role of CMO specifically is is still a little rare, or and it's increasing in popularity, but you don't see that particular title in in every senior leaders, you know, job title or job description. So talk to us a little bit about examples, Terry, of, of people that you know, that are just doing a great job at leading as a CMO? And what are a couple things that you think folks can can learn from these individuals? Yeah, I, th- I agree with you that the title is still unusual. You know, we've finally broken uh, the 
habit of people not putting us at the uh, leadership table and increasingly having the role of vice president, which at least conveys an equity with the other institutional leaders. And that's pretty important not to be undervalued. But CMO is a more industry sector title, right? That speaks specifically to a set of expertise um, that's recognized across sectors. And two that have that title that are doing really great work, I think, are Jenny Petty, who's the vice president and CMO at University of Montana, and Jamie Hunt, who's the vice president at Miami of Ohio. Both women that are doing really great work of establishing the structure at their institutions to be successful and thinking about this process in the disciplined way that we've talked about before. They're both doing terrific work, and I think we're going to talk to both of them in the course as our guest yes. experts. That's right. Yes, yeah. yes, we are. It's, it's going to be exciting. I can't, I can't wait. On, on that note, Terry, just a quick follow-up question. When, when you think about the leadership of, of higher education marketing, We've talked about how important it is to have a VP. We've talked about how it's increasingly important. While rare, I think that this trend will continue to be true of, of having somebody with a CMO title. What about the the, the next, like what what do a, a CMO, right, or a VP of, of marketing, it, it's great, they're at the leadership table, they, but they'll probably spend most of their time in meetings. They'll probably spend most of their time listening, right, and learning from, from folks. And then at some point, they need to go tell their respective teams, like what to do. So. Any just other thoughts you have on other key roles that are necessary within the context of a higher education marketing team? Yeah, yeah I think there's two, maybe three roles at the next level. The There should be some senior manager that's responsible for strategic communications and another that's responsible for marketing at a minimum. And those two things have to be integrated. They have to be. The, uh, a case survey that was done a few years ago now demonstrated that 80% of institutions integrate those two functions, either in the same unit or reporting to the same leader. And that's really important because you can get crosswise really quickly if they're not. So those are two big pieces that help kind of divide the work and organize the work of the teams, but they should regularly work together closely. And then a third possibility, and this is not settled in any way, shape or form, is potentially elevating somebody in charge of digital that's at that level. So it depends on if you bring your whole digital team that's across those parts of the organization under one leader or whether you distribute the digital functions. But having that kind of voice at the table, given all the transformation that's going on right now in the work digitally, it may make some sense to bring someone at that level. And then when you think about individual roles, so beyond sort of job titles, but skill sets, if you will, that future marketing teams will need, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, are are we going to need people that are specialized in texting? Are we going to need people that know how to write really cool chat flows for chatbots? Like, as you think about the marketing teams of today and and really over the next few years here, what skill sets do you think need to uh, be a part of that team? Whether it's a part of the team, the internal team, or whether it's a uh, you know, something that is outsourced to an agency partner. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, we're going to talk about in the future of higher education in the course is about what um, the future of work is doing to jobs, including marketing jobs. So no, someone won't be writing those chat <laughs> messages. That's going to be done for us. Um, we won't need somebody to work in that role anymore. But what's important to think about is what those trends mean for people who will be important. In at least the next five years, I think the digital marketing specialists are going to be really important to help to help us better understand in the context of our team how to lead SE, 
Oh, an SEM. We're heavily reliant on agencies. Agencies are good and important and they make sense for capacities where you can't sustain it internally yourself or where the challenges of keeping talent um, and retaining it in, in certain fields like that turnover quickly. Sometimes you let the agency bear that responsibility. But I, I think more and more we're going to have to have that kind of special knowledge and skill in our units to better understand and adapt. I think content strategy leaders are going to be important. And that's not unrelated to the, the digital piece, right? We have to get better at thinking about how to manage our capacities at the central level and distributed across the units for developing content that relates directly to market segments that we're targeting. targeting, And then how to sustain that with fresh content in forms that make sense across channels and with different audiences and have it all be integrated and used or reused in ways that make sense. And we're not doing that now very well. And then I think the last capacity is data analysis. So I think we'll have data analysts on our teams to help us with addressing the immediate questions using business data and business intelligence in real time to make decisions about our adjustments in our work. Do you think this is, you know, me ca catching a, a little bit off, off guard here and tell you I was going to ask you this question, but one of the things that I've seen more and more of is I, and we're, we're kind of seeing this with, with CMO, right, as a, as a title, but I'm, I'm seeing more job titles that are a little bit more common outside of, of the industry, but are designed to attract marketers or designed to attract aspiring digital marketers. I, I'm starting to see these creep into higher ed. So I actually, University of San Diego, they just posted a couple job postings where, um, they, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the actual job title is product marketing specialist and the product marketing specialist oversees a number of programs that this individual is responsible for promoting. Now, some people listening to this might just, you know, scream at the idea of calling a program a, a product, but these are mostly marketing folks. So, so probably not folks, will, folks will get it. But, it, but, but I love your thoughts. Like, do you think that there's a place where we need to start integrating some of these job titles for, for, if for no other reason, for a talent play? Like, like, do we do, as things get a little bit more competitive and we want to attract top talent in house, do we need to start considering the, the roles the the titles and should we be mirroring those of, you know, of other industries? First thing I want to do is call my friend, Jim Harris, who's the president of the university of San Diego and say, what's going on there? <laughs> Find out what's happening. I think that in that particular example, and maybe in some others, it's reflecting uh, ways that the technology is improving the potential for performance, but it requires specialists um, to organize their work in a different mm. way. So I'm wondering if, for example, those product marketing specialists have a suite of programs like you would see at an um, online program uh, management, yeah, yeah. you know, and so they have a set of programs that they are leading the strategy where they've got a sales force, if you will, that's assigned a set of inquiries to convert to the next stage or leads to, you know, to convert to inquiries, inquiries to apps, things like that. That's very targeted because what you find in this work is that if you have people who aren't familiar with the programs, they don't do as good a job of representing sure. it authentically, yeah. right? So they you embed people who become familiar with just a small set of programs. So things like that make sense to me, actually. There are roles like being real power users of the customer relationship management software yeah, yeah. that know how to use it in ways that are strategic. That, you know, that's a really valued skill right now and being able to use the system well 
and then kind of align with the content strategy, get the sales force moving in the right direction are all going to be important. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how this will, will evolve. And for what it's worth, that I, I, I know several people who don't work in higher ed that are great marketers who saw that job title. They screenshotted it and they sent it to me. <laughs> they said, no way, this is, this is a role in higher ed yeah. now? Like, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. So for those listening, again, I think, you know, you have to understand your context and figure out if this makes sense or not. And again, I probably do need a little bit more detail on what this role <laughs> is actually responsible for. But nevertheless, yeah, nevertheless, it was super, super interesting and, and caught my eye. Yeah. Well, Terry, this has been wonderful and, and fun. For the folks tuning in, again, this is a part of Enrollify's master course on how to market a university with a Terry Flannery. And if you have not already done so, we highly encourage you to head on over to enrollify.org forward slash master course and register for the course. Terry, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Zach. 